welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. It's such an honor to be here. And I just have to say, I remember the day when Pastor Rob asked me to be the site coordinator coordinator here at River Valley Church, and I had to get it approved by my professor at Bible College, and the professor said, that's a terrible idea. That's a, they're meeting in a gymnasium. You're not going to learn anything from this church. And it's like, look at us now, right? <laughs> and so I am so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful for this church. It is like a homecoming for my wife and I to be here today and to just be able to share um, a little bit of our story over just the last couple of years, what God has done in our life. And I I, don't, I know many of you here, and I look around, I see familiar faces, but there's a lot of you who I don't know, you don't know me, but um, I think by the end of these next 30 minutes or so, we're going to become friends. And I've been praying for you this week. My wife and I, we really have been praying for you because I believe that God is going to do something in your life today. I believe that with all of my heart, those at all the campuses, those who are watching online, for the last year, we've been um, attending River Valley Church online. And I know what it's like to, to be sitting at home and watching a church service and, and to be part of this community, even though it's, it, there's a distance there. And so I just want you all to know that we're praying for you, we're pulling for you, we love you, and I believe that God has something for us all to hear tonight. I want to show you a couple pictures so you know who I am, where I'm coming from. A picture of my family, so you can see them. Um, that's my family right there. It is Joe and Jen, and then our kids are Jojo, Joey, Jada, and Johnny. So it's Joe, Jen, Jojo, Joey, Jada, Johnny, and our three dogs, Judy, Jeffrey, and Gemma. And at the center of it all is Jesus, right? So that, that, that's our family. And uh, so, someone earlier, they said, you guys should be more creative with your names. It's like, do you really want to throw a Larry into the mix and have them be like, no one loves me? You know, like, no, that's my family. And um, my, it's, it's, also, it's a significant day today to, to be at River Valley Church for my wife and I, because just last week, we celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. Yeah. And there it is. We were, uh, we were 22 and 21. It was just a baby in that picture. Look how young we are. And then the cool thing was, uh, thinking about this coming into this weekend, um, was you know who else was at our wedding? Pastor Rob Ketterling. He officiated our wedding. And there's a picture we have right there. Now, we're going to leave that up for a little bit. Now, I just want you to notice something. Young people, look at the fashion, okay? We had the high-waisted, baggy slacks way before Harry Styles was even born, okay? We knew, we knew what we were doing. But I, I look at that picture, and that was at our rehearsal right before, the night before um, my wife and I got married. And, you know, when you look at an old picture and you kind of think, what were we talking about then? What was being said? And I have a look on my face like, Pastor Rob just gave me some wisdom, but I just think... What if God had given Pastor Rob a prophetic word about my life, where he was going to tell me everything that was going to happen in my life significantly over the next 26 years? And he said, Joe, and these are all true things, but if he had said, Joe, you're not going to believe this, you're getting married in 24 hours. But on your wedding night, in the middle of the night, an intruder is going to break into your, your in-law's home and is going to shoot your father-in-law in bed. It's going to be an attempted murder. And instead of going on your honeymoon, you're going to spend that first week of your marriage sleeping on the floor of a hospital waiting room. 
And you guys are gonna have PTSD and you're gonna be gripped with fear and you're gonna move back to Minnesota and you're gonna be so young and going through struggles but still attending church and six months into your marriage, you're gonna separate. And Jen's gonna move back to Michigan. You're gonna be in Minnesota and you are gonna have severe alcoholism in your life. In fact, it's gonna be such a painful time that you are going to reject the church and turn away from God and go down a dark hole of depression and addiction, and alcoholism. But God is good. He's going to redeem this time because after two years from running from God, he's going to pull you back. And on April 17th, 1999, you're going to go to treatment at Hazelden, uh, a treatment facility, trying to run from God still, but you're going to get on your knees and surrender to Jesus and never take a drink again. And then, Joe, you're not going to believe this, but then you're going to, a year later, get hired on staff at River Valley Church when you and your wife have reconciled after a two-year, ten-month separation. When against all odds, God restores your marriage, you get hired back into the ministry, and you're serving God at this very church. And then you're going to want to start a family. And Jen's going to get pregnant, and you're going to be excited, and you're going to tell everyone in the church about it, but then you're going to be devastated when she has a miscarriage. And you'll try again and have another pregnancy that ends in miscarriage, and then a third time in miscarriage. And you guys are going to be looking at your life saying, are we cursed? Is there any hope? But God's going to redeem even that pain. And he's going to bring you through a time where you're going to adopt a baby girl, and you're going to set a record in the state by how fast the adoption went. And then one year later, you're going to adopt a baby boy. And then right after that, you're going to find out that Jen's pregnant and her pregnancy is going to go beautifully. And within 23 months, you're going to go from zero children to 23 children. You're going to see how God has redeemed your family. (laughs) And then a number of years later, you're going to have an increasing call to adopt again. And you're going to go to Haiti and adopt twin baby boys. And it's going to be such a blessing. It's going to be an answer to prayer. And you're going to bring those boys home. But then sadly, horrifically, one of the boys is going to be dealing with severe emotional and spiritual issues that after a two-year battle of trying everything, the most horrific thing that you'd ever have to face in your life is you're going to have to relinquish your parental rights to one of those boys. It's going to go against everything in your life. And you're going to have to do that. It's going to scar you forever. But even... In that pain, God is going to redeem that. And Pastor Robbie said, even if our relationship was going to be strained for a couple of years, but God would restore that. And all of these ups and downs in life are going to happen. And then in the year 2020, you're going to leave Minnesota where you've been serving as a lead pastor. You're going to go down to Florida and you're going to face one of the most difficult times of your life personally after all of those other struggles. But then in November of the year 2022, I'm going to have you come to River Valley Church to share the story of how God is redeeming even that most recent struggle. Imagine if he told me all that back then. It'd be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? And if he did, I'd probably look for the nearest door and run out of it, right? If you think about if someone came to you and told you all the struggles that you were going to face, sometimes we want that, but isn't God doing us a favor by not telling us all those things? Because it would be cruel to let someone know all of those difficulties because we would just focus on the bad things and we'd run away from it all. And the point to all of what I just said is that I'm here to tell you that God, through Jesus Christ, his son, redeems our lives. 
He takes anything that was bad and he turns it around for good if we'll let him. In fact, the verse that we're going to kind of use as our launching point today is found in Psalms 107, verses 1 through 3. And it says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And we can read that and we can sing that and we can sometimes just skip that over. But I hope you realize that and this sinks into your heart and your soul that God is good. He's not just kind of good. He's not just sometimes good. He is all good all the time. God is good and his love endures forever. Not just some of the time, not just part of the time, but all of the time, forever his love endures. It goes on to say, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe those he gathered from the lands from the east and the west and the north and the south. And since I currently live in Fort Myers, Florida, I am your Florida man tonight because I'm going to tell you a story about being redeemed. And I want to share what has happened just even in the last couple of years. Two years ago, my wife and I, we felt a geographic call to leave the place we were at. We were serving at St. Paul in St. Paul at Summit Church, a great church, and we just felt like God was calling us to Southwest Florida. And I know in February in Minnesota, everyone feels that call, but this was like, <laughs> this was beyond just palm trees and beach. It was like, we really felt this. And, and it was like one green light after another, one open door after another. Things just aligned where we went and accepted a position there and began serving, and we made a huge financial sacrifice. We really pushed all our chips to the center of the table and said, we're all in on this because we, we believe that God called us. It was a critical time for our family because my kids' ages, the two oldest ones were in their senior year of high school, and we moved in October of last year. That's a tough time. Our, our third oldest was in her junior year, and our youngest was in the fifth grade. And so they had sports, they had friends, they had a lifetime of living here that we were just leveraging it all and saying, we're going, we're answering the call. And after serving for a year, it came, became very clear to me that it was not at all what we had expected. Not at all. And it was abundantly clear to my family that it was not a fit for them. And we had to make the very difficult and painful decision. We could not find a path forward and had to resign from that position. And it was Thanksgiving weekend of last year. And I was in one of those situations where it was like another step out of faith, a step of faith of resigning and saying, I don't know what is next. I don't know what we're going to do here. I mean, I didn't have the six to 12 month emergency fund saved up. Sorry, Dave Ramsey. I didn't do it. I, I wasn't ready for this. I didn't prepare for this. We had leveraged everything. We had risked it all. And I'm looking around going, okay, God, what happened? Did I get it wrong? God, are you tricking me? Are you punking me? Is, is this just the enemy? Did someone else make a mistake? You know, the, all those thoughts that we go through when you face a time like that. And you know, the verse that we hear quite often during a time of trouble or trial is Romans 8, 28. It says, as we know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's great to read and to recite when we're not going through a problem, but when you're confused and you're facing real life, we can look at that verse and say, God, I think you and I have a different view of what good is. And there's that tension that comes from that. Like, okay, God, I'll do whatever you say, but just say it or just make sense of this. And one thing that I learned through all of the different troubles that we've gone through in our life, and it's felt like several lifetimes, 
is a little formula that I've come up with. That if you take notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. And this is what I would call the tension of redemption. And it's just a very simple equation. It is sovereignty plus surrender equals redemption. That God is sovereign and it's his sovereignty that he's in control. He's all knowing, he's all seeing, he's all loving. He is eternal. And the surrender is our part. When we surrender to him, we will experience redemption. We'll experience him take something bad and turn it for good. Not in the way that maybe we expect, but he even does this when we get saved and we give our life to Jesus. He takes our sinful life and he turns it around. He gives us eternal life through his son, Jesus. And that's the equation. That's what I've learned intellectually, but to live that out in our hearts and our lives is a whole nother matter. And so getting back to the story, I resigned from that church on, on Thanksgiving weekend of last year. And over the next couple of weeks, I was so stressed. I mean, I, I, was, I was walking through this and I was seeing my kids and they were old enough to like kind of have the financial worries too. And they're looking at me like, what's going on, dad? What's the plan? Are we going to be able to pay for an, uh, a graduation party? Are we going to be able to pay for this? What, what's going on, dad? And my prayer to my heavenly father was kind of like, What's going on, Dad? I got bills to pay. We got things to do. Like, give, give me an answer. What, what should we do? Should we move back to Minnesota? Should we stay here? What do we do? And I had two weeks of that, and it was December 14th. That is a day that forever changed my life. Because I had been up all night wrestling with God. I would love to tell you that it was just a good old-fashioned prayer meeting, but it was more of me complaining, yelling at the ceiling, just not hearing from God at all. And saying, like, where are you, God? I was, I was angry. I was upset. Like, what, how much longer do we need to wait? And what about my family? How are they going to deal with this? What, what's their view of you going to be, God, after we move down here? And I was so stressed. I was fasting. I didn't sleep. I woke th that next morning. When I was talking to my wife. I was kind of ornery. And, you know, I'm, I'm a recovery guy. And there's an acronym that's HALT. Never let yourself get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Because you'll make bad decisions. Well, I was all for but I made a decision. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym and get a workout in because at least I'll get swole. You know, like I'm going, to, I'm going to go work out and do something productive. But because I was tired, I wasn't eating. I drank a big glass of pre-workout energy drink. The kind, like some people are getting elbowed right now, okay? But like the kind that's just packed with caffeine and some kind of like illegal root from Africa that <laughs> makes your body tingle. It was one of those. Well, I go to the gym that I go to every day, every day and while I'm there, I'm working out a little bit and I start feeling like something's not right. It just kind of was like a dreamy feeling. And um, I knew like I needed to leave and go home. And so I remember walking out of the gym, saying goodbye to the guy at the counter, and I don't remember anything else, nothing else. It went completely blank. And what had happened was I'd gotten into our minivan, Honda Odyssey minivan, like the safest vehicle around, and I drove out of the parking lot to a stop sign. And the security camera footage shows that I stopped there for like a minute and then I had a seizure. I've never had one before, never had one since. There's no disorder or anything. Just had a stress-induced seizure that caused me to jam my foot into the gas pedal. And I went flying across the street into a parking lot, hit a curb, went airborne into a tree, a head-on collision. The tree didn't budge, tipped on the side and crashed into a building. It was a home health care center. The nurses inside thought it was an explosion. They came running out. And the van was smoking. They thought I was going to start on fire. I was pinned into the building, and they could see me continuing to have a seizure. 
Thankfully, a fire, the fire department was there within minutes and they used the jaws of life to cut me out. They put me in an ambulance and my first awareness of anything being wrong was waking up in the ambulance. I think there's, there's a picture of the, the van right there. Um, it, it was beat up bad. I was beat up really bad too. I woke up in the ambulance, not even knowing I'd been in a car or a car accident. And I looked down and my, my right foot was completely turned sideways. It was dislocated. And the EMT was holding it. I had a neck brace on, and I thought I had been abducted. I've seen Jack Ryan, Jack Reacher, Jack <laughs> Bauer, the terminal list. I was like, I've been waiting for this day, and they finally got me, you know? Like, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't out to get you. You know, I was like, okay, something's happening here. But they're like, no, 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 because I started swinging at them. And they're like, you've been in an accident. And I'm like, an accident? And I was also just crying out in pain. And they're like, you're hurt really badly. And I was looking at my foot. And I was like, can you put it back in joint? Can you please? And the guy's like, we can't. We got to wait for a doctor. And I'm like, please do it. He kind of looked at the other EMT and he just did like a little judo thing and popped it back in. And I passed out. <laughs> it was good, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I get to the emergency room and I'm waking up. They're cutting my clothes off and I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. And they do the whole body scan and they're checking me out. And the main surgeon comes in and he's just got like, he's got grim news for me. He looks down and he goes, okay, You've, um, you've shattered your spine. Three of your vertebrae have exploded. Many others have cracked. You have two broken ribs. You've broken your neck and three of the discs. Your foot dis was dislocated and broke in two places. And then all of your blood work is like off the charts because of your internal issues. And then he put his hand on my shoulder. He goes, your back's really bad. And he goes, I want to do some tests. And he started poking me in my leg. And he's like, can you feel this? I'm like, yeah, I can feel that. He's poking the other leg. And he's like, can you really feel that? I'm like, yeah. And then he had a nurse hold a towel in front of my face because he didn't believe me. And he's like, you can really feel that. Okay. And he came up, he put his hand on my shoulder again. He's like, it's really bad and I'm not going to be able to help you. And you know, you kind of want your surgeon to have a, to, to be like a fighter pilot. You know, you want him to have that kind of almost cockiness. And, and, and I got rooster and I needed maverick, you know? <laughs> And he's like, he's like, I'm gonna, we're gonna try and find someone who can help you. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, like, and, uh, and a couple hours later, I got Maverick because the surgeon came in and he was like full of confidence. And the first thing he did is he sat down and he goes, before I even decide to do this, because he goes, we've got a great team and an innovative way to do this. And he goes, your back's really bad. He goes, I wanna just, I wanna know who I'm dealing with. I wanna hear your story, which is the wrong thing to say to me, okay? Because like, <laughs> I gave him like a lowdown of how Jesus has changed my life. And he's not a believer yet, but he was teared up and he's like, we're gonna do this and we're gonna get in there. And the next day I had a 16 hour surgery. It was way longer and more involved than what they thought. And they had to use uh, cadaver bones to like spackle the vertebrae. And there's a picture of my new spine. They, they put in um, 24 screws through 12 of my vertebrae from my pelvic bone up to my thoracic and my shoulder blades. And um, they couldn't believe that I was able to walk and that I, I survived that. And they started calling me Miracle Man. And the surgeon, he, he came in afterwards and he was so excited. Like he's been showing the x-ray to all his friends around the U.S. He's like, this is like my masterpiece. And, and I told him, because I wanted to keep him humble. I go, you know that like, I'm a believer and there are like literally tens of thousands of people through social media who are praying for me right now, and they were praying for you. Amen. And he stopped and he goes, you know what, we could feel it in there. Yeah. And he goes, I told, I told my team, you know, this, there's something special going on here. And he goes, when they, they brought out the titanium rods, 
He goes, I just got inspired and I told him, bring me the cobalt rods because they last longer and this guy's gonna live a long life. And I was like, yeah. And when he said that, I was thinking, how cool is God that God, through the Holy Spirit, can inspire a surgeon to speak life over me during a 16-hour surgery? And I got out of that, and I began to just see God's favor in my life during a time that was the most difficult. And even those two weeks prior to that, when I was so stressed out, now I'm feeling like I'm just safe in God's hands. And I'm experiencing his grace in a whole new way. And as I'm in the hospital and meeting people, the nurses would come in and I would talk to them and I'd love to tell them stories of things that have happened in my life and how God has redeemed that. And they would cry and it'd be like Pastor Joe's counseling center in my hospital room and talking to all these people. And they're asking, what's the deal? Because I had close to 100 visitors. Like people flew down. Pastor Rob and Becca flew down to visit me in the hospital. And you got to understand, like, I had resigned from my job. I didn't, I had no money coming in. I was unemployed and I have a broken back. And they brought benevolence money and they're saying, we're with you. We're not going to leave you. We're here to support you and to pray for you. And River Valley's got your back. Like when you have a broken back, that's good to hear. They, they, we've got your back. And they're there for me. And I cannot say thank you enough and how much that meant to my family and to my kids to see that too. Because you know, it's one thing for me to tell them that. But it's another thing for them to see you and giving them a hug and to be there for him. So thank you, Pastor Rob. And as I'm in the hospital and just experiencing the favor of people sending us money, sending us cards, people we didn't even know, it just blown away. Every day, my wife and I would just cry. And we're like, God's so faithful. Look at what we've been through in our life. Look at what we're going through right now. And in this time where we're just, it could be hopeless, we're filled. We're filled with joy and excitement for what he's going to do. And there was about Two weeks after um, my back surgery that they needed to work on my neck. And um, I was a little concerned about this because I was just weak from everything. And there was a physician's assistant that I became good friends with who kind of ran the hospital floor. And he, um, he and I would talk every morning, and he was a, a very strong believer. Very strong believer. And we were both veterans in the military, and we had that shared, and we just kind of thought the same way. And he knew that I was concerned about my neck surgery because... They were going to cut me open in the front of the neck, pull my throat aside, and then uh, put a plate with six screws in my neck through the front. And it's actually kind of a common surgery. But when my doctor told me that, I was like, has this ever been done before? Because it sounds crazy. And one of the risks was your vocal cords. And I'm like, I can't lose my voice. And I was just a little concerned about it. And the day of that surgery, the orderlies come and they're wheeling me down the hallway. And this physician's assistant, who's, again, highly respected, strong believer, he yells at them down the hall. And he says, stop. Stop right there. And he walks down, and he goes, I got to pray for my brother. And he puts both hands on my chest, and he starts to pray a powerful prayer for me. He's like, dear Jesus, by your stripes, we are healed. We pray for your power and your blood to cover my, my brother right now, that you would heal him. And then... He like doubles down and he starts praying in the spirit like a Pentecostal prayer out loud. And you know, normally that could maybe be like a little awkward, but I'm like, go, go, go. Like, cause you know, my throat's going to get cut open. I don't want to now we lay me down to sleep, you know, <laughs> let's bring the heat. And, and that meant so much to me. I'm like, I'm going into this surgery filled with fire now. And that came out just great. And after 24 months of being in the hospital, 
I was released, and there's kind of a story with that. I actually got COVID right before they were going to send me to a rehab center. And um, so they weren't going to send me. They were going to put me in quarantine for 10 days. And I was like, guys, this is going to kill me. I got to get out. And I talked to my surgeon, and we were praying for it. And they released me to go home with COVID. I mean, Florida, y'all. Okay, I I got to go home from that. And uh, um, I got home, and that's when I really was able to see um, true love in flesh working in my life. Because my wife did the work of like a team of nurses taking care of me. I mean, I had my, my foot in a, in a cast. I had a back brace and I couldn't move. I was in a wheelchair. And this was only 10 months ago. And my wife, I mean, I, had to, I needed help with everything, going to the bathroom. She would have to take me into the shower and I'd sit on a, a stool and she'd like bathe me and clothe me. And I saw that day after day of what she was doing for me, just that love after all we'd been through. I mean, there was only one day that I think she wanted to, to hurt me. And that... And that <laughs> I just got in my shower and she's putting my socks on, which putting socks on someone when they're kind of wet is tough. And I'm very particular about my socks. Like I'm pulled up really tight, like no wrinkles. And she was putting them on. She kind of left a couple wrinkles. And, and I don't know what I was thinking, but I just looked down and I said, you know, you can do better than that. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I <laughs> know. And she looked up and said, and she's sweaty and, and her clothes are wet from, from being in the shower with me. And she just looks up at me and she's like, are you kidding me? And she's like, have you ever seen the movie Misery? You know, it's like, <laughs> and I said, you know what? I like my socks better this way. The creases are good. They show me the love of Jesus and remind me like, it's all good. But just being able to see that worked out in my life was amazing. And to be able to recover every day to get a little bit better. And every time I go to the doctor's office, they call me miracle man. They can't believe it. And I could get to tell them about the miracle worker of what Jesus is doing in my life. And I get to point to him and to see that what could have been the worst year of my life, my marriage has never been better. My family has never been better. We're seeing God provide for us in miraculous ways every single day. And we, again, look back at that formula, that equation that I see living out of my life that God is sovereign. He's a good God. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so caring. And if we just surrender to him and trust him, even when it's hard, even when it's like the man who had his son facing something that was impossible in in Mark chapter 9, and he comes to Jesus, he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's surrender. When we surrender to Jesus that way, we see redemption. We see him turn things around for good. And you know, the one realization, actually it's two realizations wrapped into one. Once I realized that I almost died, because everyone told me like, you're so lucky, you should have died, you should be paralyzed, we can't believe you survived that, every medical person. But when it really sunk in on me, like in the ambulance and getting to the ER, that I almost died, my first near-death experience, I didn't have a feeling like I was spared from something. You know, I would have thought that I would have been like, whoo, dodged a bullet. I had a feeling of thankfulness for being saved. It was this realization like, wow, even if I had died, I was okay. I was going to heaven. Like, it's all good. Like, God's grace is sufficient. It's enough. Like, all I needed is God's grace. And I wasn't even, like, singing worship songs when I hit that tree. Like, God's grace is enough. And it wasn't about whether I was going to live or I was going to die. It was about that I was his child through Jesus Christ. 
And it says in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith in Jesus. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. I'm not telling you this story today as some kind of a personal success story. It's all because of Jesus. And even you look at that equation again, if you'll notice that plus mark, have it in red. Because it's really like a cross. We think that we're working one side of that equation, but Jesus has really done it all for us. He's paid the price. It says in Galatians 3.13 that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of sin and penalty and death by becoming a curse for us, by going to a cross and dying for us. That is the gift of life that we have through Jesus. My wife and and son are coming to help me. Would you give them a hand just for being here? You guys come up here. Come up here, come up here. Because we're talking about redemption. And it says, let the redeemed tell their story. And that's what we're doing today. Um, this is my, my son, Joey. He's 18. And uh, he, he moved up here to go to North Central University. He's a freshman there. And, and he's serving here as a youth leader at River Valley Church. Yeah. But I wanted you to see this with your own eyes because... My wife and I, when we had our third miscarriage, after everything we had been through, we were at a place that was just devastating for us. And this was about 2003. And um, we had a decision to make. Were we going to continue to serve God or not? And like really do that. And I remember that first week after, we're like, are we going to go to church or not? Because we're hurting, we're wounded, we're like, and we don't want to, we don't want to have to answer all the questions. It's before social media, so you find things out in real time at church. And we said, you know what? We're going to stay surrendered, and we're going to church. And we're going to worship Jesus. And so we came to this church, this room, in fact, on that Sunday morning. And we just were bawling our eyes out and worshiping Jesus. And one of the, the most beautiful things I've ever seen or experienced in my life happened the small group that we were a part of, and some of those people are here even right now, because they knew us, because they knew what we were going through, they got up out of their seats and they came over. They crawled over seats and started weeping with us and hugging us and praying for us in that moment. And that did something in our hearts. Where it was like, God, we don't know why. We don't know why this has happened, but we'll stay surrendered and soft before you. We're not going to let our hearts get hard. And it was from that moment that our hearts being soft and open that he led us to adopt. And I think about that when I look at my son, Joey, who's 18 now. He is a result of that seed of surrender that Jesus redeems. And he's got my name. He's Joseph Jerome Anderson II. He's Joey Jr. He's got everything. And I can't imagine not having him as my son. And I think about the power from our pain when we're surrendered to Jesus and he redeems that. It can become your passion. It can be something that changes not just you, but other people as well. 
And I wanna give you all a, an opportunity to respond and, and I wanna pray for you. And in fact, I'm gonna have my wife and son just lay hands on me and pray for me because I have a big appointment and next month for my back just to see if everything's healing up. You know, the, the metal is like a scaffolding and it's all growing together. And I want prayer and I'm not gonna stand up here by myself but I want to ask you something just very honestly at all the campuses and even those at home online. You'd say, I'm at a place right now where I need a touch of God, whatever that is. I'm hurting. I need redemption. I need him to redeem this in my life, whatever that is you're going through. With every head up and every eye open, would you just stand so we can pray for you? Thank you. God is good. God loves you. It takes a lot of courage to stand. Just want to give you another moment. Thank you. It's in these moments of surrender, and it's a it's a it's a moment you'll look back on the rest of your life of change. And then I want to do for you what was done for us. And if you would, if you just look around and see anyone who's standing and just move to them and just gently lay a hand on their shoulder and let's pray for one another. Let's just pray. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now for those who are hurting, for those who are in need, who those who are saying, I need redemption. I need a change. I need you to take this from bad to good, Jesus. And so, Father, we pray for every individual is standing, those who are standing at home, those who are standing at every campus, God, that by your power, through the power of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, God, that you would touch these needs. God, where there's brokenness, you'd bring healing. God, we believe that you heal in the name of Jesus. We say be healed. God, we pray that where there's relationship conflict and, and brokenness uh, between two people, God, that you would bring restoration and healing. God, we pray for your power to move, for your love to just engulf every person who needs you right now. God, I thank you that we get to be the hands and feet of you, Jesus, that we can love one another, we can care for one another and carry each other's burdens. But we do this all for you, God. And we thank you that when we go through difficult times, we can say it's all good for your glory and for our good as well. And God, we pray this all in Jesus' powerful, amazing name. Amen. 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 Amen.